0: Hi, I'm your host, Conor Byrne, and welcome back to That's What I Call Marketing, the podcast where you will hear from the leading lights in the marketing world and listen to their unique stories. In today's episode, I'm chatting with Deira McSweeney, CMO and co-founder of Athleisure brand, Gym Plus Coffee, which he set up with Niall Horgan and Carl Swain in 2017. I came across the brand when I was gifted a jumper from my brother, and I love the product so much, and I've followed the growth of the brand since then. In today's episode, I wanted to hear from Dermot how he ended up both setting up Gym Plus Coffee, but also becoming its CMO. Dermot talks about the various chapters of the Jim Plus Coffee brand and how the marketing strategies required in mature markets, different to the go-to-market strategies required in newer markets. We talk about the importance of community for the brand and what this really means. It, it's fascinatingly authentic. We talk about mistakes that have been made along the way, how a grounding and how brands grow while working in Australia has influenced his marketing strategy, how he's approaching developing distinctive assets for the brand now, and how he thinks about the opportunity for growing the core. I hope you enjoy this episode. Dear, thanks a million for joining me today on That's What I Call Marketing. Um, Delighted to have you uh, with us. Before we start, for anybody who may not know, uh, can you give me kind of the... I guess elevator pitch, you've probably done this a lot of what gym plus coffee is.
1: Yeah, sure. No, no problem at all. And and thanks so much, Connor, for, for inviting me on. It's uh it's a real privilege to be on the podcast. Um, yeah, Gym Plus Coffee. Um you think I would have nailed this uh 60 second pitch at this point, <laughs> but um no, we don't have a gym and no, we don't really sell coffee. But uh Gym Plus Coffee is a Irish athleisure company um set up uh, five years ago now um started off as a as a as a e-commerce you know an online only business uh, and then quickly moved into physical retail um pop-up shops as well but um i suppose we've we've been uh, a brand that's been right there at the start of the of the kind of athleisure wave over the last five years um but i guess what we're really proud of is is uh, building a community around the brand of um you know, over half a million people now. You know, so uh, we've really strong values to the brand. We think we we've, we've built a you know a brand for uh, for the long term, um, as well as as well as trying to build a, a kind of a smart, intelligent, data driven business at the same time um, by choosing kind of the direct to consumer model. You know, where we yeah. uh, we don't sell on other websites and we don't sell through wholesalers. So um, yeah, it's been a uh it's been a crazy few years um you know start your first business uh deal with brexit deal with a once-in-a-century pandemic uh supply chain challenges and then all the usual challenges of running a business um feels like we've either picked the best or the worst (laughs) try and do all that so it's been amazing and uh uh, I have learned uh, an incredible amount, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of digging all, into all of the different marketing bits with you, but it has been a real, um, yeah, it's been a real education, I guess, over the last few years.
0: I was, one of the things that I was really interested in was the the period be, over the last couple of years. And and before we started, I said to you, I debated how much Gym plus coffee gear I should be wearing because it certainly became my almost work from home uniform. Like the, the product is phenomenal right and i was actually gifted my my first hoodie um by my brother and i hadn't really known much about the brand and i was like this is probably one of the most comfortable things i've worn and then it got to the point where my wife said i'm sure i'm pretty sure there's nothing left on the website for you to buy it at this <laughs> point so uh, phenomenal product but i i also you know, found myself during lockdown kind of, you know, it was the treat myself because I, you know, I was at home or needing stuff and, and I, I was using the site and and kind of that did that did that help the business? I mean there were other issues obviously supply chain, but did did lockdown help?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Look, we're kind of under no illusions as to how lucky we have been over the last two years. Like the the like <laughs> the cookie crumbled and it kind of went our way. You know what I mean? Right. Um, we know plenty of people um that we've met throughout the last few years are just friends of ours you know that run other businesses that were probably better businesses than ours are more established and you know the, the because of the nature of lockdown people weren't looking for those products those businesses fell apart you know so we're under no illusions as to the fact that we were incredibly lucky um i would say in the first two weeks of lockdown one there was extreme panic um because we all were questioning, you know, just what's going to happen. You know, at a personal level, you were unsure as to what was going on. Yes. And then at a business level through, you know, whether you're running a business or just an employee in a business, everyone was just like, "What, what, what is actually going to happen? So, you know, complete panic. And then we just noticed about 10 days into lockdown one, just out of nowhere, just traffic, sales, you know, everything. And it was great. Um, but then you do get the other extreme stress of, Okay, now we're out of stock, you know, or um, or we can't get the product to our customer who wants yeah. it. But it was a perfect storm, really, in that um, not just people wanting our product um, and shopping in our category with, you know, nothing else to do, nothing to spend their disposable yeah. income on. Um, also, all of the big brands in the world not advertising meant that it was a free for all for any brands that were relevant, you know. Yeah. All the, if you take away all the big airlines, all the big travel brands and all the big high street retailers, it's a, it's a, great, it's a great time for all the smaller businesses, you know. So, um, yeah, we've been, we've been very lucky. Um, I, I think we've navigated it as best we could and, and quite well. And, and we've had a brilliant team, you know, to do that with us. But I think we benefited hugely from how we set up the business before yeah. COVID. So, like I mentioned, like setting up as a direct uh, direct consumer business meant that when lockdown one happened, we were in control of all of our channels, we were speaking directly to the customer, and we weren't relying on any other form of communication like we had built up the audience and they were speaking directly to us so we could update them in real time on anything so you know we weren't waiting for feedback from any retailers or we weren't depending on other channels to speak to them so you could really see, and I felt for the companies who in lockdown one were trying to get online or something for the first time, we yeah. trying to build up an email database. It's just, it takes longer than that, you know, it takes years. So, um, so yeah, we were, we were lucky, but we kind of talk about the different chapters of the business. So chapter one was starting up until COVID, um, which is scrappy as hell, um, and then chapter two was just getting through COVID. And now we're starting chapter three as a much bigger business, but with all the new challenges of, of what that chapter will bring, you know. So, but there's definitely different phases of the business. You know, we've, um, there was three of us who, who set it up. And um, and when we went into COVID, I think we had about 30 employees. Um, and now we have 200, you know. Oh, wow. So, um it's very it's very different phases you know of the of the brand and, and of the business so um different challenges uh, not easier or harder just just different challenges to navigate yeah
0: and, and requires different skill sets and it, you know the leadership team but also the people that you you bring in yeah. i i'd love to you know because you're heading up marketing um for the brand how, how do that come about obviously you're one of the founders so that's part of it but how what's your kind of path into i I guess being one of the founders and and the marketing marketing lead
1: sure yeah so um i'm a chief marketing officer um and uh included in that is so many different things um (laughs) e-commerce marketing um digital marketing channels events customer service pr um anything really where we where we interact with the you know with the customer in some way Um, and it kind of fell that way I guess the three of us are co-founders you know you kind of do anything at the start I think for a while there about two years I was looking after um, supply chain or shipping or something Um, (laughs) but you kind of do whatever but but it kind of naturally fell then to our different skill sets and what we're passionate about what we have experience in Um, and then when the team started to grow then it, it kind of naturally goes that way as well but yeah. My background is in, um, I worked in, uh, the advertising industry for 10 years. Um, so I was a strategic planner, um, in, uh, calling or TBWA. as yeah, It's known now in, in Ratmines. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I was there for five years. Then I went to Australia. I worked in Dentsu. Um, and then I came back and I was a strategy director in, in Ogilvy. Um, so uh, my background was kind of, in a way, uh, perfect, I think, for what we needed to do to get the brand off the ground. Although probably at times too strategic, and then I, <laughs> you know, had to get very, 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 very tactical, which is what I, what, what I really, really enjoyed. And now as the business grows again, it's coming back into strategy, which is kind yeah. of interesting to go in that full circle. But I think um, the grounding that I got in. Um, in E and in, in in Rathmines was incredible for the development of my career and my knowledge. Um, I spent five years there, and uh, the week the first week that I started my career um, was the week the bank guarantee scheme was um, was signed, um, so it was kicking off the recession. So I, I guess what that meant for me was, uh, you know, probably more opportunity and exposure than I would have got because unfortunately like a lot of people left the industry in, the, in yeah. the following 12 months. So as a very junior person, I was probably probably exposed to bigger projects than I would have been had I been there a couple of years before that. Now, the couple of years before that was the Celtic Tiger, so I'm sure that was great fun. But, <laughs> yes. um, but yeah, I, 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 was, I was working on some really amazing projects, very strategic projects about clients, businesses, but also about their brand, what they stood for, uh, their brand purpose, why they were relevant for the customer during that recession, and I think that real kind of um, deep dive into the heart of brands uh, was such a such a grounding. And I around that time in in, um, in TBWA, um, there was just an incredible group of talented people that I learned from. Right. So very, very strong, creative people who have gone on to lead the industry internationally in Ireland and, uh, you know, um, won so many awards and then also very, very strategic people as well. So I was, I was lucky to get that grounding. And I think I, I learned a huge amount about brands and just um, that, that strong foundation. And then going to Australia kind of took all that with me. Um, and I think the last uh, campaign that I worked on in Ireland, I think, it had a budget of about a 100 grand right and then i went I moved, to Mel- I moved to melbourne it was a small like activation piece but it was it was more to, to uh, make the point but then i moved to melbourne and first campaign i sat down to work on had a had a campaign of 80 million dollars <laughs> um and uh, that was including media and everything but i remember just going wow i was like i'm in a, it's a different. different ball game here yeah australia hadn't had a recession for 30 years and they they were all just like riding the wave it was it was great fun um, but then I was, you know, I took everything that I knew from there and I, and I, and I also got exposed to, to a lot of, so that was the kind of brand foundation. But then when I got to, to, to Australia, all they were talking about was Byron Sharp, how brands grow, Ehrenberg Bass Institute. Um, I worked with Kmart, which is just, you know, a massive retailer, um, who you kind of assume like, you know, it wasn't the kind of sexiest thing to work on, Yeah, but, they were working directly with Byron Sharp's team. And right. it was just a, again, it just felt like this whole other thing that hadn't been talked about in Ireland and it, I was being exposed to. So, um, yeah, I kind of, kind of, I was lucky, you know, that I kind of went on on multiple kind of different journeys like that and just working with really strong people. And then when I decided to uh, drag myself back to Ireland uh, from Australia, um, Again, I was lucky just to, to go into Ogilvy and, and bring a lot of that knowledge back and, uh, you know, taking a more senior position. Um, but to be honest, it was like, you know, it was, I, I had a real itch at that point, you know, and I think everybody in advertising in a way has it because if you're working in advertising, I think you're naturally kind of a curious person. Yeah. You want to build businesses, you want to build brands. So I think people would be lying if they said that they weren't interested in doing that. You know, one day they either go client side or they'll set something up themselves, you know, they want to put everything that they think they know into practice. Um, and I guess that that's kind of what I, what I managed to do then. And that, um, I, I, when I kind of sat down with a blank sheet of paper, I was like, right. If I think I know all these things and I think I can advise clients for 10 years, I should be able to do this myself now. Um, whether you can or not, (laughs) it's another, (laughs) another story, but, um, yeah, it's uh it, it it's amazing just to put all those ideas into practice, and then to see the challenges uh, that you're probably unaware of as an agency partner, you know, uh, yeah. and to see why clients might not listen to everything you say because they've got some other concerns to deal with. So, um, so yeah, that was that was kind of the the journey that I went on, and and I probably got a, I would say, a very good grounding in in um, for what I needed to do then in in Jim Plus Coffee.
0: Yeah, which is you know <clears throat> probably largely unexpected and that's fascinating though i think you know when you're talking about the australia piece and being able to come back here because there's probably still people in the market that are only getting their heads around how brands grow right and there's yeah. multiple <laughs> there's more versions of it and um and more work but how, did you when you were bringing that back and going like i've been working on this thing here and you know it talks about these things how what was the reaction in the agency when you were trying to bring people along that journey did you just give everyone the book and say, look, read this and we'll, we'll talk in two weeks.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like it's, it's, um, it it goes like it's, it it is hard to change people's minds in agencies because usually what happens in any agency is, you know, every couple of years, there's a new thing that comes from New York or Paris or wherever. Yeah. yeah. And that's the Bible uh, or the gospel. And you, and you kind of go with that. And most of those things are very, very helpful. But then when you have outside forces, like certainly, um, around 2010, 2011 time, everything was about Simon Sinek, you know. Yeah, uh, start with why, brand purpose, and then obviously all the Jim Stengel stuff, you know, came quickly after that. But that's all we were talking to people about, but that had nothing to do with the TBWA toolkit in a way. That was an outside force, but everybody just really, really latched onto it. So it kind of made sense. How Brands Grow was, you know, was just... uh, very hard to communicate (laughs) Um, because you might understand it yourself, but being able to um, outline it to other people and why it was important uh, was was very hard. And like how brands grow challenges so many of the the laws that you just have in your brain for years in marketing. Um, Light users and heavy users, distinctive assets, like the light users thing, Is something that I say every week, I think, in Gym Plus Coffee to to my team. And just like, it's so tempting just to think that you should talk to the heavy users and uh, like you're actually looking for that one person to make one purchase every 18 months. You know, it's, it's, um, that was a hard one. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it was easy, but I don't think it was easy in Australia either. I think they just had a longer time to kind of soak it up. Um, and in fairness, I follow Byron Sharp on LinkedIn. I think he's still battling all the myths and all the <laughs> debates. Yeah. You know, he's still having to correct people on, <laughs> on misinterpre- uh, misinterpretations of what he says. But um, yeah, look, it's, it's it's fascinating, but it's not an easy road to kind of to get people on that line of thinking when it challenges so many of the conventions of what marketing was over the years. But if you can even take a couple of the nuggets, yeah. I think it's, it's really, it's really, really valuable. Um and like similarly with, I think what ties into a lot of that is obviously the, all the work done and kind of creative effectiveness uh, with the IPA and um, the long and the short of it had a yeah. really big impact on on me. Again, it's I think my team in Chipotle Coffee would probably be sick of seeing the same slide of like brand, <laughs> brand building going up and short term sales activation. You know, not building the like it's I think I've shown that slide probably about fifty times. Uh, in the last year. Um, but I have a new appreciation, you know, for, for the business side of that, you know, where it's kind of, it's all well and good to be the person who says like brand building is key, but like, you know, you can't just brand build all the time when the business has needs or it's going through tricky trading periods. Yeah. Um, I have a new appreciation for, yeah, the, the balancing act of all of that.
0: I, and the, so that's really interesting. Like when you were then going out, you're setting up this new brand, you have all these principles in your head you know and, and as you say you've gone from you know maybe in Australia okay one example client 80 million dollars you're setting up you don't have you don't even have the hundred thousand that other client had to do this stuff so how did you go about then taking the foundational principles that you know of, kind of how to how to think about building a brand and apply that to a new company where you were just trying to start reaching a few customers to begin with
1: yeah and it's uh i think having those principles uh has really stood us um in good stead because you see it with other brands that were starting around the time same time they just they just got way too tactical you know quickly and you're on a you're on a short road to nowhere you know so If you look, even if you look back, uh, we were doing it a couple of days ago or a couple of weeks ago just for an external uh, partner, just to really show them, um, you know, that the brand has real foundation. That our first Instagram post is just a statement about the brand, you know, and it's not like some sort of gimmicky thing to get followers. You know, We, we kind of, the way we thought about it was, we'll like, consistently and constantly and and bore the hell out of you by just communicating our values nonstop. Um, We try and do everything to engage our community and build up an audience. And then because we were basically a brand born on Instagram, we said we would show up in real life. Uh Um, And we felt all of those things were really important. So the brand, like the brand is built on community and it's built around the idea to make life richer and, what we felt was like we can't shout on Instagram about make life richer. We have to show up in real life because if you say to people, "Oh, it's really important to live an active, healthy lifestyle, and it's really important to socialise around exercise," like you're a brand that's soulless, or you know, or <laughs> kind of just full of crap, to be honest. If you're not running events, meeting people, um, so very, very quickly we we. Um, we got we got off instagram you know we started hosting events in local parks around dublin um, we became the official clothing partner of wellfest about four months after we launched the brand um, we set up um, a, a, a summer what we call the summer stretch series which was every sunday in the summer we'd show up in a different park around the country this was when we had no budget <laughs> um, we were all still working full-time jobs but it was important to get out and meet people, build an audience and show them that we had values beyond just product. Like in the first year, or so we rarely spoke about product unless it was to launch something new or to remind people that it was there. But there was no like elaborate campaign to tell you all the different features of, of the different hoodies or leggings or whatever, yeah. you know, it was really about communicating our values and i and i think that foundation has just stood with us now and there was loads and loads of tactical things that we did in fairness in the background to build that audience and i you know i've kind of always put down there's a, a number of books i've kind of mentioned them already which would be kind of the foundation of of what i kind of lean on um like Simon Sinek's book um the long and the short of it and Byron Sharp's book but I would actually put like Tim Ferriss the four hour work week okay. up there with them, which you're not going to hear a lot of people mention, I would think in, in a, in a marketing set of books, yeah, yeah. but the reason why is because all of the stuff that he was advising was just really tactical d- digital activity to build an audience, uh, to get people's attention, build an email database. Um, and we did a number of those things really well. Like, you know, when we launched, we launched to a database of 4,000 people, instead of launching to zero followers on Instagram, you know, we had built it up beforehand and then throughout the first year by doing the events strategy, you have to sign up to our email database, to sign up to the events, even if you didn't come. So that built the database again. So there are these really tactical things. And I think in the first year or two, definitely I, I was starting to understand, you know, it's great having all these strategic, uh, focuses and, and, uh, reminding people of their brand values what we stand for what we're passionate about but underneath that it's like what's the engine that's driving so more and more people see that all the time so there's that that balancing act definitely and i i really enjoyed kind of reminding myself of what we should be doing at a kind of principle level and then also just getting super tactical as well
0: yeah and it kind of goes back to your point about the you know when you're in an agency there's all these things you tell clients that they they should do and then you know when you're either doing it yourself like you are for your own business or client side you realize some of the practicalities of yeah that's that's great strategic thinking but also <laughs> you know this person over here needs to know that we've done this thing to exactly. you know for investment or whatever you know so yeah, it's, exactly. it's, a, it's a difficult difficult balance and also i guess then starting something you're really in the weeds like you're seeing everything like so live you know that you do this event did people turn up you know better this time over the last time because we said something different like you know we announced it differently or we showed up in a different way and you get that immediate reaction I mean through doing things like that were there any things you you changed like were you kind of going oh like when we do these events we need to show up in a in a different way or a different time of the day even like sometimes like day part time is, is important
1: yeah there was, there was all those things like that you know like um, we well fest the first Wellfest in 2017 was was just we sh- we showed up like n- i'm not sure what we were expecting but the reaction the reaction that we got was unbe- like unbelievable like um completely sold out of product completely overwhelmed couldn't keep up pulling friends in from left right and center to help us it was like oh my god this is incredible we've got like we've got to do one of these like every weekend or like once a month at least yeah. you know so straight away afterwards you know did a bit of research trying to go to every fitness or health and wellness event straight away the next two we did two more in the next three months absolute failures <laughs> like i mean like absolute stonkers of failures like uh i think one of them we sold We when you consider we sold out at a fest and then we went to the next one a much bigger event sold one hoodie i think and oh, then we, we went to and we had spent a whole weekend there and then we went to another one which I think was in Bray or Greystones again a huge event and I think we sold three hoodies maybe the whole weekend oh. um and you're just so then you're kind of like okay right that's not a formula you know we thought we thought for a second there that there was a <laughs> bit of a the magic <laughs> yeah a bit of a hack or something that we had discovered um and that wasn't it so you just end up doing those things where you test something and it works out other things. It doesn't. And, and you, you repeat those things that the summer stretch, um, series that I mentioned, great success for us, got us PR allowed us the chance to meet our community. Um, got loads of signups, massive boost in email database. So later in the autumn we said we'd do it again. Um, but because it was autumn we had to do it in the evening time and slightly change a complete disaster complete right. time um so yeah you just kind of test and learn and you know you kind of figure it out but i always think the what we did well was the balance of being on instagram only for that first kind of year and a half but also still doing the events so that people saw us as a real brand and the and the and the, the feedback we got at the time was is this an events company or is it a clothing company right. or, or what is it, you know, which was just, that's magic, you know, like that's yeah. priceless. If, if, um, if people see you beyond your product category, um, like, I think you're kind of onto a winner then. So we knew we had something, we were connecting with people in a different way. So we, we just kept trying to fuel that as much as we
0: could. Um you talked about community a, a bit and, and, you know, I wanted to kind of just get into that with you in terms of, you know, when you're establishing the brand, you said that community was going to be a huge part of it. And I I I can see the benefits of community in that you're like you're with the people who are using the product. And it's almost like real life insight that you're going to get. Right. Like those things you're hearing from people. But why was that in establishing the brand that you, you, you knew or felt going in the community had to be a foundational part of it?
1: Yeah, there's there's a couple of reasons for that, I guess. Um most importantly, it's what we as individuals are passionate about. Okay. Um so like we've we've had a number of, like I don't know what you, you wouldn't call them business ideas, but like we've had a number of things over the years where we we tried to get something off the ground um and it didn't work for whatever reason. Um with this, it, we felt it was the first time probably where a professional opportunity or our professional ambition overlapped with those personal passions. You know, so like myself and Carl had come back from Australia and Niall had come back from California and Vancouver where he was spending a lot of time at work. And what we saw from those cultures was the benefits of people socializing around exercise. So not trying to fit your gym work or your activity into your personal time, like which is what Irish people were doing like Irish people were getting healthier and fitter, but people were still trying to, you know, they wouldn't allow themselves mix it with, with socializing with their friends and family. So Aussies and Americans and Canadians are very good at just letting everything overlap, which is yeah. how you fit everything in. Whereas if you try and fit your socializing and your fitness separately, then all of a sudden you're just running out of time. So we were very passionate about that personally. Um, but also then it just, beca- it also made sense, from a digital marketing point of view, um, but strategically it made sense. Like, we weren't going to be able to provide you with the cheapest product. Now, we didn't want to, yeah. um, but we weren't going to be able to do that because you obviously need to be a massive business to do that. We also weren't going to be able to provide you with, with initially anyway, the, the most innovative product because we wouldn't have had the resources to invest in tech and all that kind of stuff. So what we said was that we would have a very, very high quality product, something that we could send over um, for the price point, and then we would just be incredibly connected to our community and our audience, and make people feel that they're connected to something bigger than a clothing company trying to sell you a hoodie, you know, on the internet. Which is there are plenty of those brands. Yeah, yeah. So I think what people were looking for was that kind of step change. Like a lot of the feedback that we got was something was happening culturally you know that not just Ireland but something was happening and changing around the world but there weren't that many brands that reflected that change you know like Nike's been around 50 years Adidas been around for 70 years you know so just by wearing those brands you're not really kind of um, expressing how you feel about how you've changed in the last five or six years so that's what we were hearing back from people and now when we ask people in customer surveys we usually do them you know bigger ones probably once a quarter like what are the two things that come to mind when you think of Jim Coffee and what we hear back is quality product and community and that's what people want to be part of you know I think people in an unusual way people are more connected than ever but people feel more disconnected um than ever they you know if you read all the WHO surveys results, all that kind of stuff, it's loneliness is, is one of the biggest uh, concerns in society. So people want to feel connected and for a huge amount of people that is actually through brands, you know, for other people, it's through their local sports club or they've taken up, you know, joined a cycling team or, you know, whatever it is. But for a lot of people it's actually through brands and that's how they meet other people and on kind of brand forums. So, um, yeah it's 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 it just it just felt right um and then also it it felt right strategically yeah so so that's why i think it's important for us
0: and i I think about the connection point as well like like i would feel that your brand definitely stands or or you know is part of kind of the mental well-being and you know like it's more like i feel anyway my perspective is that you know being part of that community, you know, it, it, it is about wellness and well being, and, you know, the, 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 the mindset of like, when you're, when you're exercising, what that does for you, but also when you're doing it with, with other people, like that, that sense yeah. of uh, connection. And, um, and as you say, like there's lots of other brands that you can wear, right. You know, in sporting and leisure and people do, um, but they don't have, they don't have that. Right. And it's probably yeah. difficult for them to now, you know, reverse back into that, like, you know, like Nike and Adidas probably would, you know, would like to, and maybe try, but probably not as, Absolutely. as authentically.
1: Absolutely. And like, they are trying to back into it and they will do it probably quite well over time because they'll have the resources to do it and they'll have the technology to do it and finance. And, but as I said, like those brands have been around for decades and a lot of them, now were trying to back their way into women's sports as well, mm. you know, as another area and it's not authentic. Um, they will do it very well and millions of people will, you know, champion them for doing it, but it's not authentic, you know, particularly the top two of, of the, of the industry ignored women, you know, for so long. So it's actually the likes of, um, you know, some of the newer brands like Lululemon and Athleta and these brands that actually have championed women right from the start, you know? So yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's in our DNA, you know, we don't have to bullshit it, you know. So yeah, yeah. It, is, it is uh it is right at the heart of, of what we've been doing right from the start. And um for anyone who's been following us that long, but for anybody who's even worked on the team, they they'll see just how much we talk about it internally. And we are our own uh worst critics as well, you know. We we kind of at times are just you know. Say we don't do anything for the community. We need to get off our asses and do something. And then someone will just like list out everything we've done in the (laughs) previous three months. And you're like, Oh, sorry. Yeah, we actually have. Um, But we always just want to do more. And I think it comes from a place of a genuine connection. You know, if you open up our Instagram DMs or if you open up our customer service tickets every day, like uh, there are so many messages about kind of get an update on my order, but 50% of the messages are, you know, uh, can you help me with this?" Or "Where would you recommend I do this?" Or, "I've just started to run train for a 10K. What, what do you recommend I do?" Or right. I'm traveling to France this summer, um, but I don't want it to be a usual holiday. I want it to be a health and wellness uh, focused holiday. Where do you recommend I go?" In a way, I'm kind of like, "Why are you asking us?" but uh, <laughs> you know, um, But obviously, like you like it's amazing that. Uh, people would have that relationship with us or expect to get that information from us. Um, so for me, it's, it's just a huge um, insight into yeah. what people want, want the brand to become, what they think it is now, but what, where they want it to go and what we should be doing to provide more value to people beyond. We try and cover off lots of different areas through partnerships and experts that we get in. But, you know, it really says to me that the, Ability for the brand to go cross category and cross vertical is there because it's there in the eyes of the of the community, you know. So, um, strategically, we'll wrap our head around that. I think over the next little while. But um, it, it's amazing to have that relationship with the community. I
0: think. Yeah, and it's interesting. Just on that as well, I think you 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 have a lot of ambassadors as well that kind of help. You know, obviously, a get the the brand out there, but also I think they they tie into. The beliefs that you have like we worked at reese mcclellan and um, in indeed for the olympics and like it there's an amazing person right just an amazing human being um amazing athlete amazing attitude and just all around like great i saw that and i was like, what a great connection but like you've you've tons of other ambassadors and you know I've, i saw kelly harrington as well so you've you've loads but what is that strategy around ambassadors is it is it i guess tying to the sense of community and then their beliefs trying to, to the brand and, and how they're showing up.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It was um it's interesting actually with ambassadors because we didn't have any for years. Um we we steered away from them because I think a couple of years ago it was the the word or the term brand ambassador kind of meant it became meaningless. You know, it was just used so much. Um, and we seemed to benefit in the first two or three years from not having any brand brand ambassadors and just going about it. Uh, quite differently you know just building the community of just you know our community and, and not kind of differentiating anybody but i we we brought on a couple of people that as ambassadors that a lot of people probably wouldn't have known but just really struck stuck to our values um people really loved reading about these stories that they'd never heard about but then i think you you become a bigger brand and you're on a higher profile and and that's what I kind of meant earlier. I think when I said there's different challenges, different stages of the brand, yeah. or different things that you need to do. So once you kind of, your profile is raised, um, you start interacting with people more organically and more authentically anyway, you know, people with, that have a high profile themselves um, because you seem to be on people's radar. But I do think your strategic challenges become different and you need to think about, right, you're, We're not going to be able to communicate our values to absolutely everybody ourselves. You know, we, we just won't get that scale. Um, It's impossible. Um, So you need to work with partners that do that. Um, I think Brian O'Driscoll was probably the first person that we worked with that, that did that, you know, it's like, right. He's connecting himself with us. We're connecting ourselves with him and everybody knows his inherent values. Yeah. And that's communicated to a much bigger audience now through him. Then we brought on some of the other ambassadors I mentioned, like Ashley McCarthy, um, Sean Harding, but all people who really stood to our values, they might not have been as well known, but people who were really following their passions. Um, Sean Harding is a great example. You know, he runs his own community gym uh, in Tala. But it's really focused on mental and physical health and building a community around that. It's, it's not and i say this respectfully to other it's not just a gym it's gym. not yeah, just yeah. a location that you go to you have to engage with the community when you're a member there um and then more recently you know yeah the likes of working with kelly and reese um and and uh, some of the athlete ambassadors we have in the uk as well it's you know we chat to them we meet them we chat to them and it's like are these people one of our brand values is sound okay. um, <laughs> Which I have to say is a little tricky when you're chatting to um, British people yeah. and Africans and Australians, <laughs> but they get it. They get it after a while. But um, yeah, like I mean, we're not part of a global conglomerate. We're not part of a multinational. This is a relatively small team. So yeah, sound is one of our
0: brilliant. brand that.
1: values because we're like, well we just want to work with some people, you know, and there's no approval process here. It's like, if you're a nice person, you're a nice person. If you're not a nice person, we don't want to work with you. Um, So, yeah, those people have been very, very supportive. They communicate our message, you know, sometimes very clearly and sometimes just inherently, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just yeah. what you're doing. And Kelly's a brilliant example of that. You know, she's so involved in her own community, um, you know, has created now kind of a walking, hiking group, that she does in the Dublin mountains um, and even the work in, in fairness, you know, that she does with other brands is it, it's all yeah. it's community based because it's real, it's authentic. It's, it's not contrived in some way, you know? So, um, uh, and then actually, uh, sorry, one person I, I probably forgot, although not, not like, you know, specifically an ambassador, but um, when Niall Horn came on board last year, you know, as an investor and an advisor to the brand, it was amazing just to see the reaction from our community where they were mm. just like, that makes sense uh you know um someone who has incredible values uh considering like the success that he's had internationally and then as everyone said to us after we made the announcement it's like yeah like irish stuck to his values represents the country so well internationally and we were just like that's exactly what we're trying to do you know Yeah, yeah, yeah um so it's just I love when we end up make those announcements and the comments we get on Instagram is like, this makes so much sense, you know, because yeah. you've made that. You're again kind of making a promise to your community. It's like, if you make a brand ambassador announcement and it jars with the community, that would, that would be a real worrying day, because yeah. you know? <clears throat> uh, it would feel like that we got the temperature wrong in the community. Yeah. It would kind of scare me a small bit of thing.
0: Yeah, definitely. He, he probably isn't going to show up in the Logan Paul podcast. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can yeah. say that you can't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, and he comes across as sound. I love sound as a brand value. That that is wonderful. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, you you've mentioned kind of the, the scaling and the challenges that that come with that. As you as you think about scaling, how are you thinking differently about how your marketing needs to evolve?
1: Yeah, God, it's a good question. It's um we're definitely, as I said, like kind of coming into chapter three of Gentle Coffee. There's different needs on the business and um and different challenges and the way we market is is definitely one of those i think we need to we like we need to we're coming out of covid so we need to freshen up we need to reframe a lot of our messaging we need to get clearer on our kind of core brand message and then also we need to probably sacrifice and compromise a lot so and sorry, what I mean by that as well is that, you know, where the brand is at now in Ireland is not where the brand is at in other markets, right. um, you know. So uh, we still have such a small team, but it's, it's kind of wearing, wearing two hats is quite hard. So if you consider what we need to communicate to the Irish audience is so different to what we need to communicate to the audience in the UK. yeah, Because um, the audience in the UK, if they get the same message as the Irish audience, they're kind of like, excuse me what we've never heard of you before so you're going (laughs) to explain you know introduce yourself um and i think even in the uk generally you could be five years in and you could still be introducing yourself you know um so i i think we need to we need to definitely get freshen up in terms of how we appear uh visually and, and there's so much work going on internally on that at the moment but also just on the messaging um you don't want to show up like another athleisure brand because God, if you think there's a lot of athleisure brands in Ireland, you should see the market in the UK. It's um, we have a number of people working for us now in the UK, and they send on the screenshots of all the ads they get targeted with on Instagram every day, and it's just such a more competitive market because um, you just have so many more players. So for us, it's just getting clearer, um, a little kind of just you know the real top of the spear, yeah, uh, and making people making sure people see that message. But also, uh, in a way, it's just rolling out the playbook that we've kind of perfected here because what was really frustrating, and we've built a really, really great business in the UK over the last couple of years, but what was frustrating was that we couldn't roll out the playbook like we had done here because like, our brand is not a digital marketing-only e-commerce, yeah. athleisure brand. That's not what the brand is. The brand is events, community building, store activity, Um meet the team you know get to know us like we're, we're real people that enjoy going to events you know we're actually going to um we're going to an event this evening in in london that we that we're the headline sponsor for uh and this is the first time we've gone massive on a uk event like we okay. were in ireland and it's like everyone's like finally we get the chance to do this but you know there, there's a lot of things that we, we just it, it's been frustrating but it has been COVID and travel yeah. restrictions and all that but now we're going to say from, from from this month on basically the UK customer is finally going to see the fully formed version of Gym Plus Coffee which Irish people have seen for a number of years whereas now this is, this is us kind of coming off Instagram ads and coming off uh, yeah. very smart performance marketing <laughs> and all that you know it's it's finally getting out there and doing all the other parts of the business, you know? So that's exciting. Um, But rolling that out in another market, in a much bigger market has its own challenges, you know, and um, as great as the last few years have been for us, we're still a tiny, tiny brand, you know, like we're, we're, we've, we don't underestimate the kind of size of the challenge ahead of us, you know? So it's exciting. Um, It's very, very exciting. And there's a big opportunity there. Um, But it's a real challenge as well, you know, so.
0: And it's all, I think also like, and I'd have probably different but similar challenge in some of my role where I'm looking after marketing for Indeed for some of the newer markets. So in the US, everyone knows who Indeed is. In the UK, everyone, but in, you know, Singapore or Australia, very few people know who we are. And so what works in the US and the UK won't necessarily work in those markets because we need to go right back to what worked in the US like 9-10 yeah. years ago and that's a very that's a difficult mindset almost to kind of go like okay we actually need to reverse back to what we started with and you know that's yeah. the that's and the how, playbook
1: and how do you keep that fresh for yeah. the, the audience and for the team because you can't just exactly you can't just roll out the old playbook it has to be like that fresh version of it so that people want to work on it and are excited by it but also that it just feels relevant now because yeah, if you just keep rolling out the old thing out, it just becomes a bit stale, isn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, and doesn't and it stops working, and that's the other thing. Like because it worked, and I've seen that as well. Because it worked in market X does not mean it's going to work in the other market. You should try those things yeah. and see if it does. And so, um, yeah, I think that's going to be, you know, interesting. And have you thought in terms of the like the markets you're going to go into, like how does language play a role? Are you thinking, you know, God, like markets like. I say, Belgium, where there's multiple languages, are going to be difficult. Yeah. Like, you know, have you thought about that, or is that part? Yeah,
1: of we've we've we're, we're lucky, like, we 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 um we have a good good business in uh, Netherlands, Belgium, and Germany. Uh, they're really really kind of strong, strong, smaller markets for us. Let's say, let's say, obviously, Australia and the US have been a little easier. Um, but you know, I think Dutch people and German people speak better English than us anyway, so it's been kind of um. <laughs> it's been pretty pretty straightforward but i think the size of the audience now in germany um has got to the point uh where we have to give them a, um a localized experience so on the first of july we'll launch a german website and just um yeah, just a kind of a, a more natural experience for them I yeah. think. um the kind of the dutch and belgian markets don't really warrant that yet but um we also of a fulfillment center in, in, in Belgium. So there's lots of kind of business reasons why those markets make sense. I think yeah. you know, that it's kind of uh, one or two days deliveries for a lot of those markets, you know. So that's a, a real selling point, but um, those markets have their own intricacies as well. You know, like um, I think the majority of, of uh, e-commerce transactions in Germany are made by bank transfer. Um, which, it's just all these things yeah. that when you're, you know, it's, it's totally fine, like localizing the the uh, e-commerce experience and making sure all your emails and everything are all like translated and uh, but then you just come across things like that and you're just you know I've never lived in Germany I, I don't shop on German websites so it's just like bank transfer like really well wow. um, but and obviously um, Germans are uh, I think it goes back to 70 80 years ago is that and they're very used to sending things back to the government and uh posting things back so high very high return rates um in uh in Germany for online shopping so uh again another thing that you have to take into account when you are yeah. kind of moving into these markets so uh but yeah they they're interesting markets you're you're I suppose you're trying to kind of just test and learn at the start you know it's like how can we go into these markets with minimum minimum effort? Uh, and see what we get back, and then if you get something back, then you, you kind of really consider them a little more seriously. Um, those markets have been good examples for us, I think, and um, uh, and we haven't had to make too many hard decisions like to be able to roll that out. Similarly with Australia, um, you know, that comes from it, it's a the brand is is so bang on trend, you know, for <laughs> Australia, um, but to really build a a massive business in Australia, we'd have to make some huge strategic investment. And then that's a whole other game, you know? So lucky we've been able to just distribute to Australia from our existing distribution. So you can kind of just set up the Australian website and see what you get back. And And it's been very convincing over the last year and a half, but, um because it's because it's just the distance it's a it's a whole other ball game if you're going yeah.
0: to go, kind of go big yeah yeah us probably not dissimilar in the states yeah. as well much bigger yeah. like huge opportunity but um you, you mentioned the visual identity and i'd love to just get your views on kind of the the set of distinctive distinctive assets you have as a brand and how you see them evolving
1: yeah that's a good question uh it's something we're actually working on working on right now um we it's actually one of those things where um, I think one of your questions earlier, you know, is was like kind of what things have you held on to, you know, from your career and why have you kind of had to let go? And it's like those distinctive assets are something that I was really passionate about, but it just made no sense in the first couple of years, you know, to really prioritize that when yeah. you're just like, like <laughs> you're looking around you're like, we just got to build this business and this brand first. But I think we do have um, um, like logo make life richer, everything is black and white or teal. Um and the plus has started to become a really strong asset for us now. It's yeah. something it's something that I was always chatting about, but actually it's something that the product team has really led now. Whereas if you see a lot of our newer products, um the a lot of the design is just led by the plus. Um, yeah. And we see real, real power and, and longevity in that over the next few years where hopefully we get to a, a kind of a a higher level of awareness that people don't need the full logo. They just need the, they'll just be able to see the plus, which I guess is kind of a transition that a lot of brands would go through, but um, we need more distinctive assets. We, we kind of lack, we lack a couple of other things that, that um, can do some heavy lifting for us because we've kind of, we've always stuck to our brand colors. We've always stuck to the same kind of brand fonts and, but um, as we tell more stories to our community, particularly through video, we we need a few more assets that will just, you know, when you're watching it, some content from Jim's Coffee, you know it's Jim's Coffee content. So um, yeah, there's there's been work ongoing for that for the last kind of three or four months, and hopefully um, by the end of the summer we'll will be in a good place there. But it, it is one of those things where you're like, we need it, we need it, we need it, and very hard to
0: prioritize yeah, some of those yeah. Things, you know? and music can play a role i guess in that. Yeah. Is, yeah that's a yeah. great cue and you know i i would think as well your visual identity you know even even in terms of your like your emails and your structure like it's it's consistent and but fresh yeah. and you know so it, i i think that's um you know you, you you know i know when i open the gym plus coffee email kind of the, the structure if yeah. it's going to be. And, and, you know, I think that helps with kind of the, the memory structures. I, I um, so, yeah. Yeah. and it's surprising,
1: it's surprising you mentioned email because uh, God, it's never spoken about um, well from most of podcasts or things that I read. Like you, you just, you don't hear people talking about email. <laughs> and then when you actually talk to anyone about how they engage with the brand, or if we talk to our community, it's all about email. Like, that's how. That's actually people's one-on-one relationship. Um, <laughs> as old school as email feels now, it is still how most people engage with brands. It's really interesting to, that you brought that up as kind of first example.
0: Oh, absolutely. I, I and they're they're great. And I, I think there's another brand that I I love that does I think emails brilliantly. Butternut Box, which is dog food. Yeah. <laughs> dog food. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dog food and um, leisure. Um, but you know, I, again, I think they're. Their personality comes out in their emails, and I would feel the same for you, you guys. It, it you know, it, it's a, You're right. It is a very kind of one-on-one interaction with with the brand. Yeah. Um, I, I love to just get your views. We're near near the end, but you know, work of others that you admire, whether it's in your space or kind of other spaces. When you're kind of looking at what people are doing in the marketing world, you're going, I, I, I really just admire what what they're doing, and I'd love to either apply it to our world or, or, or just admire it?
1: Yeah, like um, a brand that we, we discuss an awful lot is, um, is Rafa, the cycling brand. Um, it's, it, it's a real brand in the purest sense. Like they know exactly what they're about. Um, they know exactly who they're talking to. Uh, they know that person's full world um we've taken a lot of inspiration from from what they do you know they've got coffee shops in the middle of all of their brand of all of their physical locations yeah um they make it a real meeting point for people and they introduced a number of years ago like rafa travel um which was just a such a sensible next step in the brand you know bringing people away on adventures together and Locking them in even more emotionally, you know, to the brand and making them feel like part of that journey for them. Um, it's a brand that we we talk about a huge amount, and um, there are others, but but I feel like Rafa is the real. Uh, it, it's just that it's in its purest form. It just knows it exactly what it is, and it's not trying to be anything else. You know, it, it's just crystal clear. Um, but like in terms of, because there's so many brands these days that are that are doing they're doing cool cool stuff um but I I think in terms of some of the bigger campaigns the ones that really kind of stand out to me have always been ones that are kind of in real life or or, are encouraging people to be in real life and ones that are focused around earned media um I always remember the the one uh the REI opt outside for Black Friday campaign it was an absolutely amazing campaign um gatorade replay even though i think it's now 15 years old which is, <laughs> um, i'm not sure if that's How a, that happened <laughs> i'm not sure if that's an old reference by me or if it's time. but um again just a such an innovative campaign at the time it probably feels a little more normal to do a campaign at like that now because of all digital channels but um again just something that existed in the real world that was happening that people wanted to engage with and from that I mean it's it's definitely my sense but it's also things that I hear back from our community it's like they marketing is great and all the brilliant ideas is fantastic but things that happen in the real world you know that you either have the chance to attend yourself or that you see later on Instagram fine through a video but like people really really love that those things in there that are happening in real life and I think another brand that probably does all of that so well is is Red Bull in a way you know mm. where it's just like and if, like even now, forget about all the Formula One type stuff. Yeah, yeah. The, the kind of uh the week to week, month to month global event strategy that people are engaging with, you know, is very, very basic above the line messaging from Red Bull. But all the other stuff is so powerful, you know, and it's bringing people really into the brand in a in a proper experiential way. And I, and I think that's going to become more and more powerful as we become more digital you know and and i know all these brands trying to run to the metaverse and all that kind of stuff but from what we hear from our community is that they want more in real life things yeah so yeah um it's those types of brands that i try and i try and focus on as much as possible because that's what our community is passionate about so it's like who's doing that who's bringing people together for those kind of um money can't buy experiences you know
0: yeah and is such a great example because every they do so many different different things like you know the guy you know jumping out of the like from <laughs> yeah. the moon or whatever like and then you know the 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 road racing and the cliff diving but it's all tied to the core of their brand like everything you yeah. do you kind of like it just makes perfect sense so whether you know it allows you go in lots of different ways and different 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 places and it's really interesting because like as you talk i kind of get the sense that you know you have a real true sense of the core of your brand but also you can see opportunities where that can extend to other parts of people's lives and people's worlds and not yeah to give away you know any future plans but i kind of get that sense that you know you can see gym plus coffee adding value to people's lives in, in different ways beyond the current product
1: absolutely well like you know like the, the industry we're in or like the challenges that the industry is experiencing you know they're just going to get more and that's going to get more intense, you know, and you have to be respectful of that and and kind of um, honest. about. It. But then also you need to respect the core of the brand, which is we want to see, we want to investigate other business opportunities, but we also just need to respect the brand and what people, the connection people have made with it, the passion that people have for it. So even from like right from day one, we've known that there's more to this brand um, because of the way people connected it, but also how we spoke about it so it's just that in the first five years uh it's hard enough building a clothing brand so uh you know our clothing business <laughs> we haven't even gone here we haven't even gone near coffee yet um, and it's in the name so um there's lots of different opportunities for us there's actually to be honest the, the challenge over the last few years has been that there's too many opportunities um and we're a small team so opportunities are great, but not when they're distracting and not when they're so fleeting. So actually some of the work that we've been doing over the last few months is how do we have a structure or a process or at least a kind of an evaluation period to test new things? Because for all the best instincts in the world, we could be wrong as well, you know? So um, I think what we've been working on the last while is how do we investigate some of these new Categories or new ideas or just initiatives we have, and if they don't work, we just bin them and forget. Yeah, about yeah. Them. Um, but but there, it's my belief. I, I, I hope, I, I hope I'm uh, not wrong, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure in my gut that I, I know that people have this relationship with Simple's coffee, so I think there are some areas that we'll be able to go across category. um We just probably haven't proven which ones. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. It's like and. David Taylor, the brand, you talk about, like his book, grow the core, you know, it's exactly what's in my head when you're talking about yeah. that. It's like really, really interesting. And we're, we're coming to the end. I'd love to quickly ask you, what do you do for your downtime? How do you keep sane amongst <laughs> all this? Cause like you're, you're, you seem very, um, you know, chilled with it all. <laughs> so, yeah. but I, I can't imagine it's, you know, it's, it's intense. So what's your kind yeah, of way do to de stress and what do you enjoy doing?
1: It's very very intense to be honest. It's um, working uh, working in agency land is uh, as uh, I'm sure there'll be lots of people listening who, who who work in that industry and or some form of of agency industry and it, that's a very stressful um, uh, really asks a lot of you. Um, I can honestly say uh, that it isn't the patch on uh, on running a startup. Um, so just a bit of perspective for anybody who's in, <laughs> in agency land um it's it's all encompassing you know it's um it asks a lot and it's it's not for everyone um which i think is a really important message um that that i kind of wish more people would send out in a way because um setting up a business is definitely difficult but joining a startup is uh you know people can work for any business they want and uh joining a startup is a very should be a very conscious decision you know you're you're joining a company that yes, probably connects with your values, but you're also trying to join a company that's trying, trying to become a company, if you know what I mean? So it it does ask a lot of people and, and I think people should be aware of that, but, um, how I de-stress, I think the last six months have definitely probably been the most stressful of my career. So I would be lying. Um, I'd be lying if I came on here and said that I had, I had struck great balance. Um, it's been a, it's been a challenging period. Um, so I, I probably haven't haven't nailed it to be honest but we like we try and encourage people uh to live the values of the brand you know but there are times when the business has asked a lot of us so and actually the weird thing now is that covid is kind of you know over in a way um now travel is back yeah. you know so business travel is back and you're like oh right okay i'm expected to be there in person as opposed to on zoom um <laughs> so that that's a it's a new thing but um yeah, I try to I try to run as much as possible. Um I I listen to a lot of, a lot of podcasts. I became a big walker uh during uh, during COVID. I think that was it's just more just gets you away for a longer period of time. It's kinda of grand going for a 40 minute run, but sometimes you just need to get away from the laptop a bit longer, which is, you know, a good long walk is great and listen to music. But um yeah, running is running is my is my kind of thing. So um if I can fit in and run then um, I'll usually be on to a good week at that stage.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clears that. You, yeah, you need something that's just going to either start of the day, end of the day, or something kind of clear clear the space.
1: Yeah, I think sw- I think swimming is probably something that I need to get back into as well because that's the one thing where you definitely can't be using your phone. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah um, uh, uh, something I need to I need to get back into. That's
0: freaking, Yeah. Um, you kind of touched on it, but you know, I guess any. Any tips you would have for anybody, you know, who's thinking of a similar path, you know, listening to this going, you know, I have an idea. I'm going to, I'm going to give it a go. Like you're right. Not for everybody, but anyone who yeah. is thinking that way. What would your, what would your advice be? What would, I guess, do you wish someone had told you?
1: I, I guess, yeah. You, you have to be personally passionate about it because literally on the second day you'll hit, a, you'll hit an obstacle. Okay. So, um, or probably on the first day, um, <laughs> You know, and you'll constantly come up against those. So you have to be passionate about it personally, otherwise, it will just fall apart quickly, and you'll have wasted your time. Or, or you'll be year one in, and you'll be like, if you get to the end of year one, you've been that is a huge success, and you've you've beaten ninety nine percent of people or or ninety nine percent of ideas. But if you realise that at the end of year one that you're like, I'm actually not that passionate about it, like that's a that's a dangerous place to be in, then, you know. <laughs> you've invested probably a bit of money and a lot of, a lot of time. So definitely be personally passionate about it. Um, I would say from a kind of a marketing point of view, just stay focused on brand messaging um, and focus on a wide audience. Um, uh, going back to our conversation, uh, mm-hmm. you know, at the start, like I, I think people get very intoxicated by niche audiences and they read things online or listen to American podcasts where it's like, Oh, go niche, go niche, go niche. It's like, no go broad like you're trying to bring in as many people as possible um so stay focused on brand messaging and don't don't get lost in um discount messaging to make sales or telling people this is the best product that they've ever come across it's like just make people connect with the brand emotionally and i think particularly on social media if you focus on that more people will come into the brand and that that would be the second point is like you have to build the audience Mm. yeah um and you have to get super tactical about how you do that um, from a digital point of view. Building your email database or building our email database is probably the best thing we ever did, you know. Right. Because uh, you're not relying on the tech companies or the platforms or you're not paying some form of advertising to get it out there. It's like build your own audience so you can own that relationship. And when you've got an important thing to launch, people hear about hear. it from you, you know. Um, and then I think it probably goes back to brand messaging, I guess, in a way add value beyond product. Um, you know, that there's, there's plenty of brands out there, there's plenty of products out there, e-commerce sites. So you have to show your customer or your reader or community, whatever you want to call it, that you're thinking about their lives kind of broader and that they have interests and passions. So you have to provide other value. We've always done that. We've, you know, through blogs, or we made a, we made a Make Life Richer map, which was a map of Ireland and a guide of all the health and wellness things to do. It's right. just like, there you go, there's a tool. You know, we've done so many partnerships, so many events, so many um, so many different initiatives that have just added value way beyond product. You know, um, and you're just giving people another window to come into the brand. Um, yeah. The brand won't expand without that. You know, if you keep emailing people every day and saying, like, buy the hoodie, buy the hoodie, buy the hoodie, you know, it's it's just not like yeah. they don't they don't care like they know they know the buddy exists and they know where <laughs> yes. it is. they don't like you know they, they uh they might need to remind me every now and again you know uh, yeah. for, for different seasonal launches things like that or remarketing but really it's just about brand messaging and I think that's where a lot of people just they don't think enough about that it's just like why does this brand exist why are we here why are we messaging this person you know like yeah um yeah
0: yeah. Send. Yeah. It's send send now. Right. Versus like why, <laughs> yeah. you know, what are we yeah. doing? And and I think, you know, you you guys certainly show up as a brand and in a very authentic way. Right. It is. It, it all seems very, very sincere and genuine. And, and talking to you today, it's clear that it is, you know, yeah. it's not just a thing. And I, I don't think it would have. I don't think it works if it was just a thing you're like let's pretend to be really let's pretend to care about (laughs) about this thing uh you genuinely do like you genuinely care about I mean just the amount you've talked about community and connecting with the community like it's just so authentic and thanks so much for taking the time out of your incredibly busy schedule to chat to me today really really enjoyed it and I'll um Continue to be a fan of the of the product and and the brand, so um, really appreciate it. Thanks
1: so much, Connor. It's been it's been brilliant, and uh, thanks again for the invitation.
0: When we finished recording this episode, Dermot and myself stayed on and we chatted a bit more about community and how it enables Gym Plus Coffee stay close to their customers and gain valuable insights. As companies grow, the distance from customers can get larger, and you can lose your way. Dermot shared that someone he knows who works for a massive global brand, I mean huge, knows the top customers in all his key markets by name. I think this curiosity closest to customers and authenticity of the brand on top of a phenomenal product are no small part the reason for the success of Gym Plus Coffee. Dermot is so smart and clearly driven for the business to succeed, but not in an aggressive at all cost way. They have a vision, they are living it, and bringing it to the community. I've become an even bigger fan of this brand after meeting Dearwood, and and I hope you have too. If you don't know their products, check out gympluscoffee.com. So that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening to That's What I Call Marketing. If you did enjoy it, please do share, add comments with your feedback, and follow us on Twitter at that's underscore marketing. From me, Connor Byrne, until the next episode, take care.